How we doing, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. If this is your first time tuning in, I'd like to say thank you so much for stopping by. My name is Josh, and I am your host. Uh, If this is you coming back, it's very awesome to uh, know that the show was informational, educational, encouraging, and, uh, you know, ultimately entertaining enough to come back and give it another listen. Uh, I will say a few things off the top for folks who maybe uh, haven't checked out the show before. So uh, I am, you know, really by no means an expert. Um, I, uh, spend a lot of my time, thankfully, because of, you know, uh, my work, which, uh, really allows me to sit on my fucking ass for a decent amount of time, uh, in between customers. So I use that time to read. I also have, uh, really dedicated a lot of time to trying to build <clears throat> international relationships with folks. Uh, that's the reason why. Uh, I am able to have so many incredible guests on here is because so many incredible people who are involved in organizing in the struggle uh, globally. One of the main things that uh, they recognize is how important international solidarity is. And that is something we've been talking a lot about on the show lately. So I'm sure that a lot of folks will appreciate this episode with uh, the host of Bands of Turtle Island, Zicato, who, uh, you know, is always great to have on is so gracious with his time um and is always willing to dedicate a lot of time to educating all of us um on things that you know you can't always necessarily just get out of a book um we uh were able to get a great discussion in beforehand where we were just kind of hanging out uh chopping it up and uh, we realized after talking for about an hour that we had basically already just done a podcast but we hadn't hit record. So we decided, well, let's just hit record. And a really good episode turned out, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, uh, Another thing. So I am, again, very lucky to uh, have the ability to educate myself. Many of us around the world um, and folks who listen to the show need to realize what education really means. And uh, that's something that uh, we, we really need to dedicate and discipline ourselves to. Um, education doesn't always necessarily or, you know, shouldn't always necessarily come out of a book. Um, discussions <clears throat> and building relationships with others is very crucial. Um, interacting with international struggles and showing international solidarity with groups like the Friends of the ATC, uh, with Vince... Vince Ramos, uh, Cuba, and uh, plenty of other incredible internationalist groups like the Red Condor Collective, um, and uh, also recognizing that international struggles need our physical support. Um, in uh, what is called British Columbia and Wet'suwet'en territory, there is an active and ongoing struggle between the uh, Wet'suwet'en people and the uh, Columbia, or excuse me, the Canadian uh, government, uh, the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Military Police have been actively harassing and attacking the uh, elders, the activists, the organizers, the children, all the people who live and exist on these territories and have far longer than the Canadian state uh, has even existed in name, uh, let alone in centralized government. Um, These people have uh, ancestral connections to these lands and many other lands that have already been stolen from them uh, by other oil corporations, by militaries, by the Canadian state. Um, And so we need to show support. We need to show physical support. We need to show monetary support, as we talk about in the show. If you are in Canada or British Columbia right now, you need to get your ass there if you can. Obviously, not everybody can get there. If you can't, you need to donate money. If you can't donate money, you need to put uh, links and access to uh, where people can donate money on your social media, and you need to be uh, pushing these uh, as things that people need to connect with. Uh, Same with 
what's going on in Palestine. It is clear that the Israeli state, with the uh, Israeli state, is a occupational force, as we know, and so in uh, territories all across the uh, region, there is uh, active struggle. For example, in um, Shikshara. Uh, where people are uh, threatening. There was a, a father and his children who on uh, many different social media platforms, it uh, was shown that he was saying that he was going to burn himself and uh, <clears throat> the house and his family members and everyone if uh, the, uh, the Israeli defense forces, the IDF, uh, continued to threaten and increase uh, their presence in the area, destroying homes. Uh, as we've seen time and time again on Twitter and Instagram and other places, um, it's clear that Israel as a state is a settler occupation. Um, and the Palestinian people have all, you know, human, legal, and democratic right to the land, um, ancestral ties to the land. And as it has been, you know, clearly made evident, have not been the instigators of this conflict. They have been uh, the colonized and imperialized people who globally are uh, being attacked. Um, folks, <laughs> even as ridiculous as the stupid fucking transphobic um, creator of Harry Potter, who, <laughs> you know, in contrast to folks like you see Emma Watson getting dragged. All of this shows that there is a clear physical, monetary, and global necessity to uh, Israeli occupation as a continuation to the capitalist and imperialist hegemonic control of the region. Uh, and so we must understand this and many other international struggles that are ongoing, and we must be giving... A Sorry, physical, monetary, and other forms of support and solidarity need to be built. We need to be building internationalist organizations to demilitarize and tamp down the ongoing uh, hysteria of, quote, uh, Russian imperialism in Ukraine, uh, where the U.S.-backed Kiev government is increasing their uh, militarization. Um, we need to uh, understand how different uh, struggles worldwide are capitalized upon by the uh, capitalist state and used in order to pursue its own wants and interests. Um, so yeah, this episode coming up is with uh, the host of bands of Turtle Island, uh, Zicado. It's a great episode. Um, I hope you enjoy it. If you haven't already listened to my previous episode, please go back and check that out. Uh, with uh, Zicado, but also more importantly, please go check out Bands of Turtle Island. Please donate also to Zicado, who is recently uh, becoming aware that he will be a father soon, uh, so <laughs> desperately needs that money, as well as, you know, really uh, being self-sufficient in a lot of ways through grants and other forms of research that he's, he's able to do. Uh, this is, you know, obviously, as we all know, being wage earners, there are very few uh, sustainable forms of living. So in any way that you can help, please do. Um, uh, you can do that by reaching out to me. If uh, you would like, I might be putting together a GoFundMe or donating directly to his uh, PayPal. Uh, on top of that, you may also um, just go over to his Patreon, which is Zicado's uh, Research and Podcasting, and uh, <clears throat> become a patron. Uh, that would be awesome. But anyways, folks, please enjoy the episode. Please let me know what you think about it. Also, um, you know, please go support Zicado and everything that he and others uh, are doing to uh, really fight for indigenous sovereignty, uh, decolonization, and international, uh, you know, solidarity, cooperation, and peace, as we talk about in the episode. So without further ado, please enjoy the show. Uh, oh, I, my name is Zikato. Uh, I'm Oglala Lakota from the Pine Ridge Reservation. I'm the co-host of 
the Yoded series on the Red Nation podcast. And I'm also uh, the lead host of the Bands of Turtle Island um, podcast, which those are both are like indigenous oriented podcasts. Um, both great podcasts. Yeah, if you're ever wanting to learn about land back, you know, or decolonization, hit us up. Yep. Oh, <laughs> we got a lot of good stuff. Uh, but other than that, I'm also uh, a contributing editor at the Center for Communist Studies. And, uh, I work with the Real News Network and Jacobin. I don't know. <laughs> Am I, have I done a good enough intro? <laughs> Fantastic intro, and it seems like almost every time I speak to you, you add to it, so that's really impressive. Um, it's called that hustle. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's called, None of these are paid. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, y'all. Uh, so for folks who listen, I have uh, before brought up the cash app for Bands of Turtle Line. Apparently, we found out this has been deactivated. So what we're going to do is we're going to put... Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. We're gonna put together. This is coming for me. (laughs) We're gonna put together probably like a GoFundMe, or you can either do that, or you can go over to the Patreon. Would you like to plug your Patreon, my friend? Uh, it's like, uh, oh, let me look it up real quick. Hey, it's like Zagato's tin can or something like that. But uh, I don't know if that's just the URL or what. I never really look at this thing. I should really like upload stuff. <laughs> I'm really bad about that. Because none of my stuff is centralized, and that's literally what the podcast is supposed to be is a centralization of all the shit I do. <laughs> and I I need to do another update. I did a half year update last year and then never updated it again. <laughs> Cause I'm bad. Well, I get like, you know, I'm having a kid and stuff, so I'm like well- Look at all this shit you just talked about. What you're doing, by the way, it's Zicato's research and podcasting. Research and podcasting. I think. <laughs> should rename it to the Tin Can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it, it's good to hear from you. Um, sorry, I have dinner. Says with a mouthful of biscuit. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who wanted to smoke before the episode. Um, straight, allegedly, straight professional. Hey. <laughs> Uh, I don't this know. It's a way to do it. It's a more relaxed conversation. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, um, no, but I think the conversation we were having was great. We were talking about psilocybin. We were talking about all kinds of things you brought up. You know, if you want to learn about land back, check out the podcast. We talked about land back briefly in the last episode. There's a lot of shit we can pick up on. So honestly, wherever your head's at, let's go. Um. My head's up in the clouds, eh? Now, uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. Shit. Uh, where has my head been? Well, there's a lot of shit going on. I mean, like, we got the shit that's going on at uh, Red yeah. Hill at, on Oahu. We got the shit still going on with Line 3 and Line 5, even though want, everyone wants to pretend like, oh, now that it's not on TikTok, shit's not still important. Um, we got all kinds of struggles that are going on in Africa, in the Caribbean, in Latin America. Oh, if we're talking like uh, current events, you know. Well, just kind of whatever you've been thinking about, talking about, whatever you've been wanting to go into a discussion about. Well, I I actually haven't read a piece on, you know, the, you know, contemporary as in the most, you know, up current struggles on, you know, indigenous sovereignty and you know, other rights were pertaining to that. Uh, and so, you know, Red Hill um, is an interesting one because you, you get, um, you know, like yuppie middle class, you know, colonizers that call themselves native Hawaiians, you know, who obviously don't want to have poisoned water, which makes them a worthwhile ally in my opinion. I mean, anybody who doesn't want their water to be poisoned, yeah, okay, in my book. <laughs> we're, we're working with the bare minimum here, okay? <laughs> but, like, in, in all reality, 
you know, in Hawaii, it, it's so obscenely obvious that, you know, the U.S. Army has no intentions of doing anything about the contamination that's actually, you know, environmentally sound because it stresses the budget too much outside of blowing shit up, you know. Um, and for those of you who don't know, is that for years, decades, ever since, uh, you know, naval, well, like uh, naval bases needed oil. I don't know how long that's been or if that's like World case. War Two ish. I, yeah, I don't know when like ships started taking oil and compared to the colonization of Hawaii, but I'm going to guess it's a similar time frame. You know what I mean? So they put uh, reserve tanks there that... You know, they just dug a hole and buried them. Um, for those of you who don't know, you know, that shit's going to leak. And so it has for who knows how long. Uh, and so, you know, Red Hill, which is predominantly an indigenous area, um, you know, you're talking about people's, you know, they can't drink water on paradise. You know, when you talk about Hawaii, people think of paradise on earth. And white people have taken it upon themselves to turn it into a symbol of imperialism. You know, when we get taught about Hawaii, you get taught about the colonization and then subsequently Pearl Harbor and its importance in World War II. And so then you see it as an important keystone in the American empire. And that's how you get, begin to be indoctrinated against, you know, the struggle where, you know, anybody on the mainland in America is, probably more likely to side with the U.S. simply because they're inundated with the idea that, you know, you have to support the U.S. military because they're defending our freedom. You know, they're stressing um, Chinese Cold War propaganda specifically so they can stress our presence in the Pacific Ocean. You know, like, we increased our military budget, you know, after funneling ungodly amounts of money into Wall Street during the coronavirus, you know, but for some reason we can't provide people masks. You know, like <laughs> it's obscene what America's doing. It, like uh, it, 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 it's really an opportunity just to increase austerity on the poor, which, you know, like precisely makes- what they're doing. Without well, being official about it in the way they've done for colonized nations. Well, and, and see, the thing is, is like it's not really austerity that's going on with colonization. Colonization is pure extraction. You know, mm-hmm. they go in there purely to vampirically suck the wealth out of those countries, or you know, our reservations, our land. Uh, whereas with you know austerity, what it is is they're looking inwards to find more money to good point good point to put into the capitalist pockets so they're robbing their own coffers you know (laughs) it's taken from the the treasury well it's it starts off you know robbing your citizens and it ends up there too you know it's literally the dialectic in full motion um and so with senator colonialism what you expect is for the dialectic to swing back to us overthrowing you know, at least from an historical determinist point of view, uh, which, you know, understanding the mechanisms by which that occurs is kind of important. Like, you can't just say it's going to happen. You have to make it happen. And that's the fundamental difference, I think, with how I'm describing it and the idealist approach of historical determinism. You know? Yes. Very, very important point, because I think a lot of folks who we were even talking about this you know, a lot of the larger parties within, you know, the colonial and imperial core countries, um, you have the, like you were talking about, and I'll I'll allow you to speak on it, aesthetic communism, um, which really doesn't do anything other than say like, well, and what's crazy is they'll even have a great analysis to give you, but it's like, you're not taking that and applying it and doing anything with it. Um, so would you maybe want to speak on that a bit? Well, so the important thing about the term aesthetic communism is to understand it's a term I'm coining, at least in this context. It might have already been said by somebody smarter than me. But here I am reinventing the wheel anyway. Um, you know, derived similarly from 
Lenin's critiques of left-wing communism or, you know, you, you've seen many critiques throughout history of other leftist, you know, cells, whatever you want to call them, sects, um, dogmatisms, uh, what, what have you. I, I think it's important to draw from all of them, right, to, you know, read what they say and then criticize them where it needs to be criticized. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but with aesthetic communism, it, it's an encompassing idea rather than a specific idea, you know. So in broad terms, you, you can include the dogmatists, you can include the idealists, you can include um, revisionists, you know. It's these people who appeal to the ideas of communism but do, don't want to, you know, um, actually learn it instead they want I, I don't mean like oh you have to read theory but you know you can't be like socialism is purely people's power because it's not you know the, there is a possibility that the people will go reactionary for some reason For in America it's extremely likely that they will reactionarily rebel against say decolonization you know uh, um, that's you know, a thread we should hold on to um, but when, when looking at aesthetic communists you know they could have a good analysis where it's just from the armchair you know an armchair communist who says oh well Chaz is an adventurous idea or whatever but it's still an expression of revolutionary potential. That's what people need to understand. It's not necessarily an intelligent expression, but it's representative of the tumultuous, you know, uh, circumstances that we find ourselves in, you know, the contradictions heightening and ultimately, um, well, you know, capitalism ultimately sowing the seeds of its own destruction. Uh, you know, that's what we're seeing play out. And so these aesthetic communists, though they can analyze these things correctly, might not do anything about it. Or if they do do something about it, they do it in an adventurous manner. You know, it's an encompassing term that's meant to, um, in the way tankies <laughs> generally, you know, it's supposed to wave us off uh, for, I don't know, uh, I guess it's the defense of Stalin or whatever, but if I want to call it a defense, it's just literally analyzing the world as it exists. You know. Having a historical materialist lens, one might say. Yeah, yeah, almost. <laughs> but, you know, like, that can bring up a whole argument, blah, 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 blah. I don't care about post-structuralists, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Somebody no, had to say it. Althusser is pretty good, whatever. But I think, you know, people said his stuff better. Um, that's a tangent. But, uh, I've been reading a lot of this stuff lately because, you know, it pertains to, you know, speaking on the um, current day issues for indigenous people from the Marxist perspective. Because um, in, in, in Marxism-Leninism, there's the terminology of the immortal science. And, you know, I ask people, you know, what do you think about that? What does it mean? Some people, you know, they think it's a funny joke. You know, because it's, it, it, it's a meme, right? That's how most people understand it. They they don't, they haven't read the Mao uh, to go along with it. They understand it as a meme more. Um, and to me, uh, I wish I like had quotes ready, right? Uh, so, you know, I'm just talking about my ass here, I'll be honest. <laughs> go for it, because you're doing a great job. Oh, uh, like I, I can't quote to you right now the immortal science shit, but to me it, it means the that Marx the ideals of Marxism or communism, you know, I would prefer to say communism over Marxism because there's a certain, you know, uh, orthodoxy to that or whatever. But um, you know, scientific socialism, if you're actually trying to build communism as you know the stateless classless moneyless society you know um that utopian vision 
you know, is it utopianism to strive for that? No. It's utopian in that we don't expect to actually get there, but us as a as humans should try our hardest to get there because that's the only way things could ever be fair. You know. And we might it might not be as fair as we think it is, and then we'll have to conceptualize a whole nother thing. But you know, I think we should get a fair shot with the same 500, 700 thousand years, however long you want to pay capitalism at. It really depends on a lot of different whoever's arguments. throwing the dice, really. Honestly, some people are like, ah, yes, mercantilism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah. Very. You know, well, what it is, is capitalism is the processes by which feudalism evolved, you know, evolved into what? A more organized social order to place money from the, well, riches, whatever it might be, of the many into the hands of the few. So it's, socialism is supposed to reverse that process and hopefully, you know, in a way, bring us back to monkey, but um, no, uh, <laughs> In a way, you know, it'll, it'll be uh, a return to, you know, communalism insofar as everyone should have a house. You know, everyone should have food. Everyone should have water. You know, in a modern society, we should have, you know, access to the means by which we live a modern life. Whatever that might be for that society and however it might change due to climate change. You know, um, that's what people don't realize is that we fucked up. You know, uh, it's too late. Yeah. We are in the sixth max extinction. You know, like I'm not being an alarmist when I'm saying that. That's just realistic. You know, um, and it is socialism or it's the complete extinction of the human race. We can survive, you know, but it's not going to, you know, be as it Easy. is today. And it's gonna, it's like with the recent eruption, you know, when you think about how not only are they fighting <laughs> imperialism in the Pacific, you know, their water is being contaminated for the sake of posturing, literally for the sake of posturing. We don't need an active military base in Hawaii. We're not at war. <laughs> it's that simple. You can just close it down for the season. We do it with our national parks. Or for good. <laughs> how how much harder would it be to transition from for the season to for good? For good. For the, but at the very least, I don't know why people think we need to arm these bases at all times. Besides the fact that it's clear that we're maintaining an empire. You know, it's an act of occupation in these places. And even though these places are supposedly our allies, it's clear that it's more of a threat. It's that at any moment the U.S. can have several platoons or whatever of U.S. soldiers coming from embassies to attack whoever. I mean, this is all theoretical, but realistically, you know, that was the whole criticism in Benghazi is that uh, there were so many soldiers nearby. All they had to do was activate them. <laughs> it's like, why were those soldiers there? Why is nobody investigating that? <laughs> yeah, why are we there in the first place? Well, That's I think a lot. I think a lot of people, um, <clears throat> including I'm sure yourself, at one point or another, I probably have heard it on your show. The 800 plus military bases that are currently like maintained by the U.S. Empire, like those are intended to be able to like stage a full-scale war against the dominant socio-economic and political powers in order to take control like that's how essentially they gauge how much money they need is essentially if shit goes south how many people how many guns how many jets can we actually we fight need? a world war that's yeah exactly that's that's the plan can we take control we have... of everything like to the umpteenth level basically well and like a lot of it's relying on some people will of course be our allies in it and it's really hedging your bets right oh like, big time especially like, when you're actively colonizing the people that are supposed to be your allies well and so like and that's when we get into like it's not colonization as we're used to right it's neo-colonization or imperialism you mm -hmm. know 
um, imperialism expresses this way itself in different ways. Um, but what people need to get on board with is that it's the advancement of colonialism. It's one of the processes by which capitalism advances itself, right? But it represents a new structure that's though it drives derives its power from colonial structures, it's becoming something new. And um, as Lenin says, the last stage of capitalism. You know, you can argue that that might not be true, uh, and that we might see something new. Well, it's kind of if if I may, just kind of put my own because I also. I'm currently reading Neocolonialism by Kwame Nkrumah. Um, and this is, as you said, you know, kind of similar to the way that capitalism itself was the uh, new social order that was necessary to organize in order to, uh, you know, take the wealth and the power and put it from the hands of the many into the hands of the few. Neocolonialism is the new uh you know, order by which they are trying to do the same. And so imperialism in this way, as you're talking about, and monopoly capitalism especially, is the the highest stage of capitalism in that that's where it's kind of, quote, leveled out. Because it never, quote, you know, fully levels out. But this is where it's kind of hedged its bets now. Like, this is how it's strategizing. It's taken a new... Um, form of control. Well, like when what's his? I can't remember his name. The stupid historian said it's the end of history. Um, what he really meant is that it was the end of an expression of a multipolar world, or that's what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to represent complete domination of U.S. hegemony. But what we're seeing is that y- using capitalist forces. Uh, market reforms, Deng was right and China is kicking America's ass even if you don't want to call them socialists, whatever they're still doing better than America Um, so I mean in a way that's multipolar um, I think they're socialists I don't want to start like an argument or whatever with your listeners I don't know oh I don't give two shits about that I would agree with you entirely I would say that right now it's the most important time to come out and say that we are in support of China and the Communist Party because quite honestly I think that in a lot of cases with things like climate change with actually helping formerly colonized and currently imperialized people take power and take control of their own economies and industries this is the only country that we can really hedge our bets on if we're not uh, you know, doing anything right now, we have to realize that this is the counterbalance. And until we start doing something here, our, the least important thing that we need to do is talk about whether or not this country is socialist by our own standards. Who gives a fuck about your standards? You're sitting in your living room. Exactly. So in, in that way, like, uh, yeah, China, I mean, China's doing like a lot, right? Um, they're a really 100%. good example. If, you're, if you have that much wealth, you should be able. To, you should be doing what China's doing. America, Europe, all of At them the should be doing least. what China's doing. You know, uh, developing nations should develop, <laughs> and they should be able to develop and reap the full benefits of their wealth of the na- their own nations. And so, like countries like Bolivia, you know, they've done poverty alleviation like China faster. You know, five years instead of seventy-five years. You know. Um, so you know, there are examples to look to, you know, but what we need to be doing is realizing that, um, you know, here in America, freaking, you know, we need more than community gardens. Mm. Community gardens are going to help, but we need to be thinking, you know, you know, about permaculture as well as, you know, just changing our neighborhoods to green energy ourselves. Um, Like it could be worthwhile to fundraise amongst neighbors to put, you know, solar panels on each person's house, you know, each year, you know, focus on one neighborhood at a time or whatever. You know, these are projects we need to be thinking about where not only can you decrease the monopolization of utilities, which is a whole problem in America that, is a pretty good organizing topic right now, especially like in Michigan where I'm surrounded by 
you know, the Great Lakes, the largest source of fresh water. And somehow I'm paying more than Nestle does for my water bill. <laughs> Nestle pays $250 for, to take out all the water they want from Michigan Springs and stuff. Um, Shout dad, out Nestle for also child slavery in it still in the 21st century. When we um, when we ran a garden, like a full-scale garden, uh, because they assumed we used sewage, yeah, it just ran onto the ground. We didn't use the sewer unless you are going to charge me for the rain that went in the sewer too, right? Um, so they charged us for sewer usage, and we ended up paying like $450 for one, one freaking water bill. That's $200 almost twice as much as Nestle just to grow my own food. Uh, so literally, you know, that that is a point of contention. And if you ask your neighbors, are you pissed off about how I, our water bills have been? They're going to say yeah, because that directly takes money out of their pocket. It's an excellent organizing tactic. Rent, that's another good one. And people are like, well, you know, what's this have to do with Landback? And it's like, Landback means everybody should have house. That means white people, too. You know, the we want when I say I want land back, it's so I can have better material conditions for my people. But that automatically means that you'll get them too. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just that I'm prioritizing indigenous people because we are the least prioritized. We are the always forgotten because we're shoved off onto reservations. You know, we we had to ask for separate health care from white people. And they maliciously complied and gave us the worst health care that could possibly be had in this country. You know, there's some hospitals that do better than others. But if you look at IHS care compared to, you know, normal hospitals, and if you look at Indian attendance in normal hospitals, you're going to see a huge difference, you know, the disparaging difference between first off procedures available, uh, quality of care. Um, accessibility, you have a whole slew of issues. I mean, when you're talking about like state insurance versus, I've had both, you know, I'd prefer state insurance over IHS care because IHS care is only going to take 15% off my prescription, whereas, you know, at least state insurance takes off 95%, you know. Uh, (laughs) So even if you are getting that casino money, which we don't, none of my tribe, that shit gets pocketed by the council, you know. So even if that like you're living near a tribe that has lots of money, you know, that money goes to their health care. You know, uh, they don't have the same. Um, like, well, you know, when you're talking about banks, uh, you're you're going to you're less likely to get a loan. Uh, so even if you have all this money, you know, they could just still look at it like, yeah, but you're still irresponsible. You know, you, you're just. The stereotypes of drug addicts or alcoholics, of course. Um, you know, there's there's just a lot of different things that um, people don't consider when. Uh... Sorry, I heard somebody saying "oh shit," but um, there's just a lot of things people don't consider that, like the cost of our healthcare, even though it's supposedly free. You know, like I could be paying like a full cost for a heart surgery, like if I had a stroke or something. Uh, whereas, you know, even if it is shitty insurance, your Blue Cross Blue Shield or I don't is is that a I mm-hmm. think that's medic. I think that's old people insurance in Michigan. But um, that's what I have because I was fo- a foster kid. Oh yeah, see, like that's supposed to be super good or whatever, but it's not that good. It's, it's really not. It covers more than most, but again, in a system where you can get charged hundreds of thousands of dollars for a simple procedure. Yeah, so like if they're covering, you know, only 15% of a bill, that's drastically different. You know, imagine paying 15%. Well, uh, what, what is that math? 75%? No, 85%? Mm-hmm. 85%. Holy shit. 85% of your whole bill of like $70,000. Ain't enough casino money in the world to pay that off? No, no, there's not. And that's like 
this is the reality that so much of, uh, you know, different sectors, because you could say the left, but just about everybody in the world who isn't suffering under this reality just plainly doesn't recognize. And so when, you know, you're speaking to these things, it really just makes me think about, like, uh, I've heard many people talking about the fact that, like, there are active militant struggles going on. Uh, right now that are happening we got wet so wet and right that's still going on and you know that's never stopped they and always like, need your help like if you're in canada like, I would go go please yeah like, they need ask bodies. permission like reach out there's a whole link like you can contact them it's really not that hard i've heard uh it's spoken about in the red nation uh like uh, the experience that uh you know the individuals like, are there if you think there's enough people there there isn't if you no, if you've been there couldn't ever it, be enough. Yeah, if you've been contemplating it and you're like, ah, oh, no, but do they really need me? Yeah, they do. They do really yep. need you. A hundred percent. The answer is yes. There is no doubt about it. If you're thinking about doing it, just do it. Just do it already. No reason not to. Um, like like line three. Like there's no like physical camps anymore. You know that's unfortunate. But there's no reason there couldn't be. You can catch my and there's ways to support now. Again, all you have to do is contact them. Yeah, exactly. There's a bunch of easy ways to freaking, you know, get on board and they're published. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Like Stop Line 3 on Twitter. You could go check them out. Uh, they have a bunch of stuff posted. Um, you know, it's, it's real simple ways you can, you know, effectively fight imperialism. Um, in a way, you know... Uh, it's they a little harder when COVID when, safe in some some cases. <laughs> yeah, it's a little hard to keep COVID safe right now. Um, and you know, at what point does it not? I don't want to say not matter. You know, no, we like, talked about this the last time, kind of like stressing that this is just yet another reality for these people, for folks who are already like the most exploited and oppressed. COVID is just yet another form of that so we have to find ways to still organize through this pandemic yeah like we're, we're still like there's just more extreme austerity being introduced and as long as we're not doing something about it and no, no amount of twitter activism is going to actually change the conditions in that of your landlord there's just not nor is listening to this podcast. Go actually do something. Yeah, like, there's, it's not going to, like, you can learn. That's the only real usefulness about this, is that you can learn that, oh, I actually, you know, I, we can't keep sitting in here. We can't keep online organizing. The Online organizing is ineffectual. You know, when people, like, people criticize Indian Collective for taking money from Jeff Bezos, but they tried to raise money through the internet. And it's it's just not feasible if you're actually trying to build power quickly. And that's what, like, if Jeff Bezos is going to give you a bunch of money that you have complete say over, take it. I, I mean, that's your only chance to get access to his wealth. Yep. That is literally, without violently seizing it which you can't do until everybody's on board with land back and revolution you know what i mean which i really wish everybody who played themselves as a twitter activist would understand because you know not to because i i say this i'll say this i'll say this and then i'll speak i say this with uh with love and compassion to to, to young folks such as myself who really have no experience in struggle whatsoever um I am involved like I, I, I'm there's like a, a subreddit page for a, a, a strike that I saw on TikTok. So I like joined Reddit just to see like what was up, just to like kind of see what folks were talking about to post links in there. I posted links at, like uh, to Gorilla History, the Red Nation, and then I posted links to um, different books that folks should read based on what they were posting on there. But anyways. I I posted a question, you know, kind of asking, like, how do we get over this hump of, like, inactivity? And somebody, like, came at me 
because they said that I was hired by a union busting company to spur to cast dispersions and doubts. And I was like, I was just trying to engage with the community here and see are folks organizing? Do folks realize that being on this subreddit page is not organizing? <laughs> like, do folks know of resources in their area? And uh, they like sent me like 11 or 12 comments back and forth and right then and there i had a whole conversation with my manager i was like this is why i stopped going on social media as much as i was because throughout the early parts of the pandemic i was on social media all the time it doesn't materialize in the way that you think it would because it's not meant to that's why they developed social media the way that they did that's why they're developing meta that's why they're developing all these different forms of you know uh technology that are gonna convince us that we're participating in a reality that doesn't exist. Well, it's literally ag algorithmically designed to steal as much of your attention as it can. It wants you addicted. And reward you in a way that, yeah, addiction. It rewards you and your whatever pleasure senses you're going for. Like, that's for, that's for porn. That's for, you know, fucking uh, Facebook arguments. That's for, you know... Uh, I don't know, dude. I know ratioing I... your most hated politician. I mean, yep. which is fun. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> spend, spend all day, every day, just like editing. But what does that like... do? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, yeah, I I talk a lot. Whatever. I guess I don't know. I'm really shitty at talking online. If that helps people feel better about what I'm saying. Like, again, I'm good at it or whatever. Like, people like the conversations I have, but I'm not consistent. I'm not putting out an episode every week. I have another job. I have a million Well, that's life. That's life. You know? <laughs> and, and, like, as soon as you consider organizing your job, like, I'm not, I don't get paid for it. It's just my job. You know, it's just something I do. You know, like, it's something that I, you, you have to do right now because if you're not contributing in some way, shape, or form, you know. You're capitulating. If you're not, you know, if you're not actively adding positive, you're taking from the negative at the very least. Like you're benefiting from the shit that you're going on Facebook and saying that you know everything about. Like, I, you know, obviously I do a lot of research and podcasting or whatever and teaching, but like, you know, I guess there's... um. It's of a different character, I would say. Yeah, I guess. I wouldn't say it's definitely of a different character. I wouldn't say it's of a different character. It's just that, you know, you only need so many voices. I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't speak up. Like, there's, like, we need more, you know, femme indigenous people speaking. We need more, you know. You know, there's, there's certain people we do need speaking more. But it's, like, recognizing, like... I don't know. Like, see, you you have worthwhile conversations, right? Um, but you know, how many white guys are there in podcasts? <laughs> well, that's that's just the thing. Literally, I brought it up one time at uh, an organizing event where we were handing out clothes, and everybody just started laughing because they were like, "Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> of course I have a podcast." Yeah, no, that's that's kind of like why I try to really get great guests on here and why I try to use the podcast as a medium for myself and others to get connected. Cause if we're not turning this into relationships and active on the ground organizing, then but it's pointless. You know? Yeah. 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 It, it's, like these it's conversations are cool. And it's it's an it's... echo chamber and it's ego. Literally like what's going to happen. Like somebody references this in a piece of theory that goes down in history. Woo. I can't wait to be that's, that's memorialized. The, that's the coolest thing that could happen with this. That's not very cool. <laughs> well, like I mean, like it's like conceptually, like oh man, it, romantically thinking, like you know, after the revolution, it doesn't materialize into we, we anything. Can, we can write the history of where these <laughs> theories came from and the influences that played into it. I mean, it's like reading Lenin bitch about Kotsky. You know, like it's sometimes <laughs> funny, but I gotta go on a whole Wikipedia brigade in order to freaking find out what the hell he's talking about. And then I have to, turns out I gotta read four other books. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. 
I mean, it definitely we literally do that here. Like I've mentioned a million podcasts. I'm, you know, several books, several theorists, you know, and these are, you know, ethereal concepts, you know, there's a certain like, um, you know, what the metaphysical sense to them. If you never look them up, it's just these buzzwords, right? That's what a buzzword is. And it's, it's useful for language, whatever. But if you don't know what it means or how to apply it to real life, you know, how it applies to real life then you're just reading a dictionary, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're just quoting it back to people. You're like, oh, I know the word and what it means. So if you've ever had an argument with somebody where they're like, colonialism means to express power militaristically uh, over people and extract resources. It's something like that on Google. I'm not going to go Google it right now. But, you know, it's some stupid shit like that on Google. (laughs) And it's like, that's just, you know, the most simplistic understanding of the word. That's how it's like used in nomenclature. Like I, I tried explaining that to somebody. It's like you're just gonna give me the Google definition, and they literally screen capped the Google definition. You know, the first definition that came up. Sick. And they, and they Epic went. Epic owned moment. They went. You mean Oxford? Ooh. And oh. I was just like, not. <laughs> are you just citing what's on the Google? Like, literally the first thing that popped up on Google, the definition that it brings up, and it's little source. You're just citing that and saying Oxford, like, that changes, that it's the Google definition. Like, that's not how entomology works. That's not how political science works. That's not how history works. You know, you can say what the word means, but it has no relevance if you don't understand when it started being like when it became a term what it was used to describe how it's continued to be used to describe and um iterations and expansions on the concept you know because lennon wasn't the person who invented the term he's just the one who has the best uh conceptualization of what imperialism is you know in my opinion well and like that's like that's like in a concise form because like you can find any oppressed person who's experienced imperialism. They'll go, I'm going to say the exact same shit as Lenin, but I've never read Lenin. And then, oh, wow, that's the immortal science of Marxism. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's why folks like uh, Lenin and, you know, you talk about the Bolshevik revolution. And, like, that's why those individuals like Ho Chi Minh, like, uh, you know, uh, Thomas Sankara, like uh, Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. That's why those folks were able to harness that was because, like, it was it was not out of a book, out of a, a Google search. It was out of experience. It was out of organization. It was out of, you know, concrete analysis of concrete conditions through, like, experience. Um, and also study, obviously. I mean, that <laughs> that's one thing that frustrates me. Uh, I'll say this and then we can honestly. Uh, I, anyways, um, but like that's what always frustrates me when I hear folks say that like, oh, I, I'm not a communist or I, I don't like Marxism, Leninism, because it's a bunch of just white dudes who like, you know, just think that they're so smart and they didn't do anything. And it's like, first of all, a lot of the folks you're talking about, you have no understanding of. Second of all, Anuranda Gandhi, like, uh, you know, all kinds of folks, like, again, Fidel Castro. There's all kinds of people who were colonized and oppressed folks. Maurice well, Bishop. Fidel is like a white Latino. Well, yeah, yeah. But in, in the in the kind of sphere of uh, folks who I'm talking about, I'm just kind of naming names to give people uh, folks to go into. But, yeah, th- that is a good point. Um but in a, in another fashion, like I've heard uh, Nick Estes talk about, like, um, and as you're mentioning, like any colonized person will have an analysis of imperialism without reading, and then you'll go, oh, that's the immortal science. Like a lot of the grassroots movements that have been led by colonized and imperialized people have harnessed things that other folks have to spend years and years reading out of books. 
And that's why at this moment and always we have to be following the leadership of the folks that are actively doing this shit that we have to write books about or read Jacobin articles about, you know. Jacobin. <laughs> oh, don't read Jacobin for your info. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, that's kind of the point why, that's the reason why I pointed out because it always pops up on my Facebook like suggested feed and it's, it's just like, it, it's always bad. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say it's always bad. Jacobin just isn't the source where I think everybody should get their information. I'll I'll go on on, on yeah, I, that. yeah. <laughs> like I I take a paycheck from them, right? So like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I will, I'll say you know my work's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and you should you should check it out. But at the same well, time, you really, know, releases, keep keep that in context. Year. Like who wrote it? Yeah, like next year. Well, and see, and that's the thing is that they're gonna use my work as a piece of legitimization you know they collaborate with the red nation specifically or well, red media specifically to uh, put themselves in a legitimate position you know you can go to them to release these articles um is it anything more than you know some trust fund baby's pet project because he's sympathetic towards socialism <laughs> i don't know who knows, right? I I only got a grant from Bascar after a personal meeting. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> no, he's okay. Uh, but like, it's you know, you know, that's a context when you look at current affairs. Uh, what's his face fired his entire staff, and then mm. used his platform of a supposedly socialist newspaper to defend an owner firing his entire staff. You know, like. You're working for a leftist newspaper, you wouldn't think you needed to have a union, but it just further goes to show you, even if you're working for a supposed leftist, you should start a union. Hell yeah. Well, and that's, again, to coin the term once more of the immortal science, like, that's what, that's why it's important, is because, like, it doesn't matter, you still gotta organize. You still gotta apply this shit. You can't just lackadaisically believe it you have to like put this shit into practice. You have to understand the contradictions that exist. You have to solve those contradictions. And that is the whole point of trying to apply these things is to be able to take power so that the people and the you know most exploited and oppressed people especially are able to have an impactful amount of change and control over the circumstances and situations so as to correct them. That like that, I I wish that that would be more clearly understood. Um, but it, well, it, is it Trotsky <laughs> who says, you know, permanent revolution? Um, you know, he's got the kind of right idea in that, you know, we should be constantly, you know, striving for the utopian idea. We should be striving for communism. Um, and so like even after, you know, hypothetically after a revolution, you wouldn't just not organize a union if you're... <laughs> yeah, that would, be, that would be like... And hopefully exactly. the state would, like, mandate that you fucking form a union. But, like, you should form a union so that way you could maintain your rights in the workplace. And then you should form workers' councils, yada, 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 and maintain systems of dual power just as, like, ideally, you know, the local level would be self-sustaining and the national level would only have to direct, like, national policy. Like, where does stuff go? And even then, theoretically, you know, there's a whole argument for AIs and whatever now, but... I was just going to say, with the technology we have now, there's far less of a necessity of, of such, you know over like heavy focus on something like that like you, you know, don't need as much bureaucracy and then like hopefully that bureaucracy the lack of that much bureaucracy could lead to less corruption but like there needs to be a constant fight you know to maintain our socialist values because after a revolution the reactionaries don't go away you know you don't go in mass they murder. double back like it's one thing to kill people who actively committed programs against minorities. It's another thing to say that you should be killing your uncle who voted for Trump. 
You know what I mean? Like at a certain point, we have to draw the line when we start kicking out reactionaries from society in whatever way that shape or form that takes, you know, like maybe it's re-education camps or whatever, but like who we throw in, eventually you'll have to draw the line at who's not a reactionary. You know, you can't throw everybody into a re-education camp. you got to just reform the schools, right? You know, like, you're not, like, obviously you're going to deconstruct the schools, but you're still going to have a public school system, you know? So in that way, you still maintain um, the bare-bone necessities that the state provides, right? There's already schools built. Don't blow up the school. You know, <laughs> that's just dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, in following that point, if I can, I think like one of the most important things that I, I try to stress, and I can't say that it's me personally. I try to point out on my show that like go, like I constantly will spend time just saying what shows I've listened to because, or like books I've read or things I've done because. I want folks to understand these ideas aren't like mine. I didn't come You're building up building off of somebody else's work. It's and I'm a scaffold. To, yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to get others to engage with it instead of my content. Like if you listen to my show, cool, whatever. But leave this show and go do way more than listening to this fucking podcast. Read like, the books we've mentioned. Like what have did we were, did we mention foundations of Leninism in the episode? No, but you did mention that, so we'll say you know again go read Foundations of Leninism by Stalin. Like that's a very important book, um, and and also it's for children. It was literally written for children, right? Exactly, and that's that's in what you said about quoting and stuff like that. That's why it's annoying when people will pick it apart because it's like, dude, this wasn't meant to be like. Das Kapital. This wasn't meant to be like this monumental piece of theory. It's not his theory. What he's doing is he's showing the foundations where, like, where to draw from, so you could go and look at that later in life. You know, this is for children, so you're giving them the bare necessities, right? You, you know, you weren't reading Locke, in theory in kindergarten, even though that's like an ideologically heavily expressed throughout our society. <laughs> like nobody's telling you in freaking third grade all right can you go and read the constitution now like you wait till high school civics for that you know what i mean like, <laughs> <laughs> so taking that into context like you should be able to put in more work than a child you know instead of just reading foundations leninism verify that that quote came from the book he's claiming it did you, you, and that's a simple start, mm -hmm. you know, and then how do you do that? Well, you read the entire book that it came from. You can even CTR. First of all, if I will say this, it is illegal and I would dare not allow anybody to go to www.b-ok.com. That's illegal. Don't do that. PDF is on there. If you CTRLF, you can fucking search for it. You don't even have to read the text. You should read the text. But if you're just going to do the bare minimum of verifying, again, it's something that most of us who have that access to technology can do. But yeah. Um, Sorry, I got a weird text. <laughs> we're, we're, we're hitting 55 minutes. So I figure whatever you you felt like saying um maybe just rattle it off and then uh maybe plug what it is you feel like plugging i'm uh, this has been an hour of me bitching and moaning about hypothetical people that you'll never meet <laughs> <laughs> i hope to god but uh you know i don't know it's these are things i've been thinking about and it's been musings, I guess. Um, as far as things I want to plug, uh, along with Red Hill, I've been plugging for about a year now uh, the Rec Bay community, which is going through similar poisoning, uh, but due to PFAS chemicals, which is to extinguish napalm. 
um, which are poisoning. And, uh, you know, if you believe hearsay or are willing to, uh, mutating, you know, wildlife in the area, uh, you know, if you're a biologist for some reason listening to this, maybe, maybe that's uh, a worthwhile research endeavor. I don't know. Just a thought. But, uh, yeah, you should go support their GoFundMe. Um, that's more important than any of my links. Um, like, if you give me money, you should give double to Rec Bay. Otherwise, don't give me money, you know. Um, let's see. What's what, folks? Yeah, you have the what's what, and folks. Uh, you know, uh, you have... You know, pipelines all over the country, all over the country. Think about it. Um, leave that there. Just leave that in the air. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Sorry about the weird cutoff there. We uh, got into some fun and dicey topics, and we don't, you know, necessarily need to be sharing all of our ideas. You know, you know, wouldn't want anybody to steal them. But anyways, um, I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. I hope everyone is well. Hope everyone is safe. And I hope everyone is staying healthy. Uh, please, for, uh, you know, in whatever way you can, uh, show support to Zakato, show support to uh, other internationalist organizations like the Red Nation, um, like uh, Red Condor Collective, like... Uh, um, there's plenty of them I could I could cite, and I I would I would love to also learn about more. Uh, but please also consider becoming a member of international peace organizations, uh, like the Black Alliance for Peace, uh, like their Solidarity Network, like the No Cold War campaign, like the Friends of Socialist China campaign, like as I mentioned, Red Condor Collective, and uh, Code Pink, plenty of others, which are trying to demilitarize, denuclearize and begin to stabilize the global world. Um, also, we need to denounce NATO and the United Nations continued uh, fanning of the flames of the uh, fights between the Ukraine and Russian uh, governments. Um, the Ukrainian and Russian people do not deserve this. The international world does not deserve this. We do not need world war. We do not need an accident with nukes. We do not need any of this. We need peace, we need cooperation, and we need internationalism. So in any way you can be a part of that, please do. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.